Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Ryan, Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Ryan, Gam, slam, jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Welcome into the 146th edition of the TFS Pod. It's Halloween night. Uh, it's very scary here. Snowing in West Michigan. That is a that's the scariest thing I've seen in quite a while. It's October still. Come on. Um, nevertheless, a lot to talk about as we always do. Um, NFL, we're going into week nine already. College football, week 10 this week. NBA started, NHL's going. Um, we're in the World Series. Um, college basketball starts next Monday. Thank the good Lord. Um, lot going on. We had Sports great. Equinox last yeah, night. Sports Equinox. Every That's pro sport had a game. Pretty cool. That doesn't happen too often. Um, We'll get to the podium as always. I'll go first. I'll make it quick. So Dabo Sweeney, Clemson is four and four this season. They were preseason hyped up to be really good. They've fallen flat on their face. Dabo's made some comments um, as the season's gone. Didn't use the transfer portal going into this year. Never has, and they're not very good, um, as you can see by the record of four and four, um, losing to mediocre teams. Um, just not looking good, bad offense. Their defense has always been solid. That's always been a calling card for them. Their offense is terrible. Um, and Dabo, I think he's digging his own grave here at Clemson. He's making these comments, and then yesterday some guy calls into his radio show saying, you make all this money to do this. This is what Terry Bowden did when he was here. Yada, yada, yada. He goes, oh, you want the job then? And, like, starts going at this fan that's calling a radio show, some redneck from... God knows where in South Carolina, probably in his trailer, speaking. Um, dude, you, got, you just got to, and he's going at reporters and stuff. It's like, dude, you, your program has won a couple national championships in the last 10 years. You're really good now. You stink. Like, you need to shut up and go to work, and you're making all this money. You're, you're digging your own grave here. You're just going to keep getting worse. Um, I, I don't know. I, he kind of rubs me the wrong way anyways. I feel like he's kind of an a-hole. Um, and this just adds to it. Yet again, Dabo being an idiot. All right, on a lighter note, because I usually like to rip into things, lots of things to rip into lately, and actually I just read a story that I almost made my podium, but we'll talk about it in the first down instead. I want to talk about something, well, it was bittersweet positive, and that is the, we'll call it the legacy of Kirk Cousins. Now, I'm not suggesting that he's going to retire um, after he tore his Achilles yesterday against the Packers. Um, but I just thought it would be fitting to talk about a good guy in sports because there's so many a-holes out there. You know, we talk often about LeBron. We talk often about the Dabo Sweeney's, the Jim Harbaugh's, the cheating scandals and whatever. But let's look at a bright light in Kirk Cousins. Uh, first thing he does as he's getting carted off is he looks up at the scoreboard and he cheers on his team. Saw a bunch of video uh, recaps of that. He had players in tears in the locker room that he um, was confirmed that he was hurt with an Achilles. And I say the legacy of Kirk because this was the end of his contract and many. He's only he's 35, so he's only 35, but he's also 35, right? Like for a pro football player, 35 is getting up there. Now I get it. There's the Tom Brady's, there's the Aaron Rodgers, whatever. Um, on the plus side for Cousins is. He had started 128 of 130 games where he was a starter in his career. So he has had an injury-free, in terms of serious injury, career. The two times he sat were once as a as a playoff resting situation and the other time for some BS COVID protocol. So he's never missed a game to injury, and now he's obviously going to miss the rest of this season, which just begs the question, does Minnesota re-sign him and bring him back coming off of this injury? You know, is he in limbo? Does he decide, as Kristen and Ryan and I talked the other day, does he just decide, you know what, I got young boys, I just want to be a dad. You know, football is not his life. 
he's made a good life of it. He's made a had a really good career. In fact, I think he has the, he's the highest rated passer this year. Most he has the highest completion percentage, maybe the most yards, and he's right up there in touchdowns too. And, and as soon as Jefferson went down, everybody thought, "Oh, Kirk's going to be exposed." Nope. What he did is he just got Addison involved and kept throwing it to Hawk. And Minnesota's making a little bit of a run. Um, you know, they're going to have difficulty now. And I think the Minnesota fans who often bashed on Kirk for not, quote, winning the big one, although we did a couple of Mondays ago against San Fran, um, they're going to be really wishing they had him back because, I'm sorry, while the Vikings traded for Josh Dobbs today and Dobbs has had a decent season today, Dobbs is not Kirk Cousins. Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins is a top 10 NFL quarterback. You can argue with me all you want. The numbers bear it out. It's not a one-man game. I get it. The quarterback gets the blame a lot of times in a loss, but it's, they didn't lose to the Giants because of him last year in the playoffs. You know, they won all those close games last year because of him. So I, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Kirk. I think he's just a class guy. I know him personally. I've done some work with him in the past. I think I've told the story in the podcast about how he remembered me by name like three, four years after the last time I had talked to him uh, at an event he did at Hope. Just a class guy. Saw a video on LinkedIn today about how he went and honored a commitment you know, with kids trick-or-treaters. And now some people would say, well, yay, he honored a commitment. In today's day and age, that's a big deal. So if you say that snidely or sarcastically, like, oh, well, good for him, let's celebrate him. Yeah, we should celebrate him because there's not a whole lot of NFL guys that would do that. They would be selfish. They would be sulking. They would be whatever. Um, look, he's well off for the rest of his life. He had a, whatever it was, four or five year, $84, 85000000 million guaranteed deal with the Vikings he drives around in a conversion van still. Like, he doesn't live in some crazy mansion. Like, he doesn't blow his money like most NFL guys. Kirk's going to be just fine. I personally, as a fan of him, as a Spartan, whatever, I hope he comes back and I hope he plays some more because I'd like to see him get a big win in his career, like a big playoff win, get to a Super Bowl or something like that because he deserves it. Mm-hmm. Um, remains to be seen if that happens or not. But, Kirk, thinking about you, praying for you. Hope you get better soon. Yeah, all-time good guy, A-plus human being. Um, we love him, not only because he's a Spartan, but because he's a good man. All-timer. All right, for the flag, whew, I don't know. We go two ways here, but I'm going to save this Deion Sanders nonsense for first down. Um, I just heard this. Ryan and I were debating, as we often do before the podcast every week, like, what are we going to flag? Well, we heard it with our own ears. Talking to the athletic director for NC State, who is the uh, head of the CFP committee, when they asked if there was any consideration given to Michigan's ranking status in the initial CFP rankings tonight, uh, given the ongoing, um, you know, Spygate 2, whatever you want to call it, signal ceiling thing that's spiraling out of control, that we'll talk more about that in a minute. And his quote, and I quote, was, no, not really. That's an NCAA issue, not a CFP issue. Pardon me? Uh, okay, I get that the CFP is the, quote, governing body of the college football playoff, but Michigan is an NCAA signatory and is being accused of something that, if it's all true, and I don't know if it all is, if any of it is, if some of it is, my guess is some to most of it is, this is something that could warrant the death penalty, like the SMU death penalty. And you don't tell me for one second that there's an investigator that wouldn't love if he has everything stacked up against Michigan to be the guy that put the winningest program in college football history on ice for a year or two of the death penalty for this cheating scandal. But yet it's not a CFP issue. So what he just said was, we don't care if they cheated we want them in the CFP because that's going to get us ratings. And that is what's wrong with college football. That is what's wrong with sports today. The right thing to do would be to say, you know what? Yes, we did take that in consideration and we're going to follow it closely. And yes, it's on the table for us to not have Michigan in the playoff, even if they win out, if this bears to be true. Because I'm going to tell you, sure as hell, that if they win it all this year, and they're arguably talented enough to do that, and you make them, let's just say they're guilty, and you make them vacate those wins, nobody's going to care. How many people will tell you that nobody won the national championship in basketball in 2015? Nobody. Louisville did. Oh, they vacated it. So what? Louisville won the national championship. You cannot hang the Fab Five Final Four banners 
in Chrysler. They, the they still went to the Final Four. The whole v- notion of vacating wins is toothless BS. And you had a chance to make a stand for something right and not for greed and money and ratings. And you effed the pooch, CFP. You screwed it. And I don't see you being able to recover from this because how all of a sudden, all of a sudden are you going to explain, oh, yeah, we were kidding. It is an issue for us. Flag, 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 unsportsmanlike. Get the hell out of my face. Not a surprise. Everyone sticks up from Michigan because they're a media darling mm-hmm. and they make the all-important buck. I will say ESPN is on this the latest stuff, which again we'll get to in a minute. I'll start with my pregame. We'll keep it short. You know, as you know, my pregame is MSU coaching search. Um, here's the thing: is it urban or bust? Based on the rumors on the interwebs now, yes. Every week it's been kind of like he's in East Lansing. He's got a contract on the table. I mean, Jim Comperoni, who's a big inside Michigan State guy that Spartan fans everywhere know who he is, said yes, it's true. Michigan State and Urban are talking. There's consideration going on there. So, is it urban or bust? If it is no urban, I would say Leipold is back firmly in my yes, please category. Uh, he's a little old, but you know what? What he's doing with Kansas, how he talked after their winning over Oklahoma this weekend, heck yes. Elko, nope. Best win was over Clemson, and as Ryan talked about, they kind of suck. Um, Smith and Oregon State lost to Arizona, so eh. Other than Urban and Leipold and Drinkwitz, my Missouri guy that nobody ever talks about, I got no one that's going to get me all hot and bothered or keep me donating to the cause. So, yes, it's Urban or bust. I hope so. That'd be nice. All right, week nine review. Let's do this thing. Um, Pull up my schedule from last week here. Um, Let's start with Indiana-Penn State. 27 and a half point favorite Penn State was. What they win At one point 10? it was 30 and a half. Were they win by 10? Nine. Nine points. Indiana was in the game. Indiana did the biggest. You, your coach is going to get fired, he right? Sucks. So you He's get so an mad. interception. Drew Alar's first interception, I believe, of his career. He went like over 300 passes without an interception. Like by far the NCAA record, I think, is what I saw if I read that correctly when I was watching the game. You get the ball on your on the twenty, the Penn State twenty, with you know like seven minutes or so to go. Indiana runs it up the gut three times in a row and settles for a field goal to tie it. Tom Allen, do you devalue your job that much that you didn't take a shot at the end zone? Take three shots at the end zone, and if you don't score, kick the field goal and tie. You took no shots. You're a big old meow, and Indiana lost because Penn State finally hit on a big play the next drive. And that's why Indiana sucks. Yeah, they're terrible. I mean, what what they didn't have anything to lose, like in the Water Boy. That's really what they should have done. They have nothing to lose. They're terrible. They're gonna go three and nine, two and ten, whatever the hell their record is. I don't Hot care. Garbage. They're terrible. Northwestern continues to impress. Four and four. Four and four with an interim coach. I think you hire a good that, roster. I think you hire that Not guy. a good roster. And they're four and four. I mean in Maryland is isn't there. Their Iowa basketball January February swoon yep. that they hit every year total tailspin suck and they still have to play Penn State and Michigan yep so and Rutgers I think yeah so they're what four and four now I don't know what they're I think they might be five and th- or maybe they're five and four I don't remember they're four I, I think remember. they're four and four no they're five and three you're right five and three but I mean five and three. like six and six wins isn't guaranteed no it's not. <laughs> After that five and one five and zero start, right? So they've lost three in a row. Ohio State, Illinois, by last week. the last two ago. times I should have trusted my gut last week when we did the picks. The last two times have been two touchdown favorites. Good for Northwestern though. Good yeah, for them. good on them for sure. Yeah, fighting hard with a a, a god awful roster. Um, to be honest with you, we picked. I picked them to go two and ten um, overall. Yeah, that's about right. I think I did too. Um, all right. Nebraska, Purdue, um, a battle of the Nebraska is the most turnover prone team in the country, but their defense is playing like black shirt style. defense. I mean, they're, they're one win away from a bowl game. They're five. They're going to get it this weekend. Yeah. They're going to go to uh, a bowl game. Um, yeah, I, I saw a video it. the other day with Matt rule too, that they had an NFL scout comment to him and his coaching staff that, Nebraska is the second hardest practicing team in the country behind Georgia, which says a lot about, you know, him and his coaching, him and, his coaching yeah. and his culture. So Nebraska yeah. football Fantastic. may be back sooner than we thought. 
Fantastic. Good for them. It's better when for college football when Nebraska's good. It's how we turn it around at Temple. It's how like we a, turn it around at Baylor. It's like a Louisville for, for basketball or you know Indiana for basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, second, the last Big Ten game we'll talk about here, Ohio State-Wisconsin. I did not catch much of it. I know Trevion Henderson's a stud. I saw Williams is out for the season. Mine Williams is. He's, he's been Henderson being back is huge for Ohio State because he's a, he's like Jameer Gibbs. He's fast, but he's powerful. And he just, he, you know, he doesn't put it all on their quarterback to make plays because he actually threw a couple picks on Saturday for the first time too. And their defense is legit. Wisconsin couldn't do anything against them. Michigan State might get a first down or a yard in a couple weeks at, in Columbus. Probably not. Um, Wisconsin actually moved the ball decently, and they were in the game. It was a one-score game into the fourth quarter. They had their third-string running back in there because Allen got hurt and was on the sideline in street clothes in the second half. Um, you know, Wisconsin's clearly not what we thought they would be. Uh, they're still arguably the class of the West, which the West is a... That's not saying a whole lot. The West is a mess. Minnesota's in the driver's seat <laughs> based on who they've beaten already they play, and who they, they have play. a tough schedule down the stretch. But. but that's why they're in the driver's seat. Because if they win those games, they win. they win it. Right. Yeah, the West sucks. Um, all right, we'll rip off the Band-Aid really quick with the Spartans. Uh, just to... Another awful, awful performance. I mean, the, first touchdown in nine or eight and a half well, quarters. It came with a. Okay, we'll, we'll start with this. Let's go through the game. You tur- cause a turnover, which you haven't done much in the last three years. You go nowhere. You kick a field goal. Same thing on the second drive. Cause a turnover, kick a field goal. Six nothing, and then you. The rest. And of you the had game, it deep in their territory, not like on the fifty. North or Minnesota's playing with a quarterback who. Couldn't start anywhere else in the. I mean, he'd start Michigan State probably, but good lord. He had, I believe, it was his fourth. The first half was equivalent to his fourth best passing game. Now, he didn't do much in the second half passing wise, but he had 190 yards in the first half. His name is Ethan. That was equivalent to his fourth best passing game of his career in two quarters. And then then you bring in this dude, it's like their 18th string running back. I think he's a walk on. Long snapper, left bench, 40 totes over 200 yards, the most yards Michigan State's allowed on the ground since Taylor Martinez 12, 11 years ago. Unbelievable. Missing, t- I mean, the defensive line for Michigan State actually played pretty good. It was the linebackers tackling. It was Cal Halliday. Well, and it wasn't Brulee because he played no, well. No, it was, was, was Halliday. He's a whiff master. Whiff master. And their zone Can't play big time football. It's crap because Minnesota's not going to beat you through the air. And so no. what if they do? Stop them on the ground. Like, and. And the defense, I'll give them a little bit of credit too, not Hazleton, but they were on the field like for 40 minutes that game yeah, because they, the offense was so they, inept. Nathan Carter all of a sudden can't run. Like the offensive line is pass blocking okay. Hauser doesn't get happy feet, but his receivers, when he gets them open, they drop it. Yeah, no, um, I, don't or, know if he, I mean, he throws a lot of balls away. He, the mm-hmm. receivers are, I mean, those He's guys, been instructed not to turn it over, so I understand that part of it. And. That begs a question to me is like who because Levitt obviously he, he got to be a fumble and he got to be the guy the rest of the season. He he remind I said to Ryan we were texting because we weren't watching together that he reminded me of sophomore Lewerke. Yeah, he did. Like twenty sixteen Lewerke, good arm, could run. Like he's confident. The team actually responded to him. He actually made a couple of nice. Uh, he made one really good back shoulder throw. He made another great throw when they were driving and they still had a pulse. And Franklin just flat freaking dropped it, and then the next play or two, he threw an interception because he was just trying to force it, right? Like, so I get it. He had two turnovers. He had a pick and a and a fumble, um, trying to make plays. But like, that was the first time that I've seen any life in Michigan State's offense since the first half of the Rutgers game. I mean, he's got to be the guy the rest of the season. If he, if this if anyone cares about anything in the future, which they probably don't, they should just play this guy. Let him let him get his experience, and if he's good. You roll, you get him for next year, and you get a transfer quarterback, and you see who can win the competition. Yeah, because the Michigan State coaches. coaches owe Michigan State players and the next coach one thing, and that is to to play the young guys. I get it. Have some conversations with guys that are borderline redshirt. Like, hey, Ryan, do you want a redshirt? You've played three games. We can play you one more. If you play more than four, you're going to burn your redshirt. If you're going to go in the portal – you know, you're going to have to sit, blah, blah, blah. I get those conversations need to be had. But I think at this point in time, most 
freshmen that are truly in it for the program and not themselves want to play freaking football. I read that about Levitt last week is like, yes, I'm at a crossroads. Yes, they burned me by like two plays in one game, which is a waste. So now that now he's next game he plays is his fourth game and the last one he can play if he wants a redshirt. I say screw it. I mean, you don't redshirting is is overrated anymore, honestly. I mean, I get it, quarterbacks, it's ideal, but here's the thing. You've got a chance to kind of prove yourself for the next coach coming in that you should be the guy. If I'm Levitt and I firmly believe he's this way, I want to win that job. And if I'm Hauser, I want to win that job. Um, I think whoever is odd man out does end up transferring and the yes. other guy stays. And I agree with you, Ryan. I think they bring in a, um, you know, another guy. It wouldn't surprise me to see both. But here's the thing is Michigan State coaches absolutely suck ass. You owe this program and the next coach to play the young guys and to build for the future and get guys that will stay with the program. Ryan, you've named them off. Guys like Chance Rucker, guys like Barrows. He came back out of the portal last week, and hopefully he'll stay for another year. Harvard. The younger line, you know, offensive linemen who played well comparatively to Spencer Brown, for example, last week. Yeah, Harmon. Um, Carter is Hall. only a sophomore. Hall, like... Play the young guys, ride. Like, look, you're you're not going to win probably any more games. Maybe one. No. Who cares at this point in time? As Harlan says, we're playing for Spartan pride. No, you're playing to have a job next year. <laughs> That's how I. No, look he's at not going to have a job. He didn't even have his headset plugged in. It's like Mr. Potato no. Head. Yeah, I, I got to give you the historical significance of how bad this is for Michigan State because this is like. Was does this have their offensive stats? No, no, no. Let this, me read. Let me okay, off you do that. You Last do that. six games, Michigan State's offense: eleven point three points per game, five touchdowns, and sixteen turnovers. That doesn't win you a game in Division Three. And you're about to play one of the hottest defenses in the country yep. right now. Nice job, guys. So here's the statistical significance of Michigan State's sucktude. So, as we know, Michigan State has lost six games in a row. They're 2-6. and six. They have four games left. They have Nebraska home this weekend. They have to go to Columbus. They have Indiana on the road. And then they have a, quote, home game at Ford Field against Penn State. It's very realistic that they could go over in the Big Ten for the first time since 1958. And even then, they had a tie. And that was, oh, by the way, against Michigan. So I just thought I'd look back and see where does this year stand with these losing streaks. Now, I might have missed some long losing streaks because Perlis teams used to start off like 6-1 and one and then go 6-5 and five or whatever. But I got five years for you to chew on. 2016, that was a very mirror image. Team started 2-0 and oh, and then they lost 9 of 10 and 7 in a row. So this, this week could match that. That was 2016, one Big Ten win. They started 3-0, and and then they lost 8 of 9 and 4 in a row twice in 2006, which was the end of John L. Smith. They had one win in the Big Ten. That was the epic comeback against Northwestern. They started 0-7 against, albeit, three ranked teams, including, I believe it was like Miami, Florida, and Notre Dame were some of those in 1982. But they still won two games in the Big Ten, uh, and they didn't have a you know, longer-than-four-game losing streak. Well, no, I... Take that back. They lost seven in a row. So this that's the real historic thing is they could match that seven-game losing streak this week. That was muddy waters. Uh, they started 2-0-1 in 1958, and then they lost five in a row. That was the year that they got the tie against Michigan. That was their only 0 for year in the Big Ten, 0-5-1. And, and then they started 1-5 in 1954, and they had one Big Ten win. So if they lose Saturday, they are tied with the 1982 team for the longest winning streak, or the second longest losing streak, 2016 and 1982, and then I guarantee you if they lose to Nebraska, they're going to lose to Ohio State, and they're going to set a new record for, for futility at Michigan State, which is just bump, bump, bump. disgusting and gross. So, a couple other quick things. Um, best wins for me for the week, Oregon's throttled they're Utah. Really good. Louisville shut out Duke. Um, Duke's okay, not great, but still they shut them out. UGA pummeled Florida and is rounding into form. Notre Dame absolutely bitch-slapped Pitt. Um, and Kansas with a great comeback win over Oklahoma and tore down the goalposts, threw them in a lake and everything. That was wonderful. Um, either new teams are still in my top 25 as frauds. North Carolina, again, this time to Georgia Tech. USC, 
barely beat a bad Cal team. Penn State, not completely a fraud, but come on, you barely there. beat Indiana. James Franklin. Maryland. We talked about them started five and zero. They're zero in their last three, and then Oklahoma, a typical Oklahoma midseason choked out by them as well. Um, duds, but still good. Utah, they laid an egg coming off of a pretty emotional win over USC, so I'll give them a little bit of slack. Um, yeah, so CFP reaction quickly. It was uh, number four, Florida, Florida State, State. Number three, three Michigan. Michigan. Two, Georgia. One, Ohio State. Washington was five. Any arguments with that? Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I don't think Ohio State's the best team, but I think they deserve to be number one yeah, because of the games, games they won. Like they haven't been impressed. Florida State's better than Michigan, in my opinion. Because they if beat, you're going to well, go by strength and schedule. Yeah, you're going on strength and schedule. Michigan should be number five right. out of those five right. unbeaten teams. But, you know, they're Michigan, and oh, they, they beat they beat bad teams. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, they, are they good? Yeah, absolutely. They have a really good offense. Do they cheat? Yeah, probably. Uh, they do cheat. It's there's pictures of it, and let's get into that really fast. Um, the new allegations that came out last or late last night this morning. The the picture of who they think is Connor Stallions on the Central Michigan sideline against Michigan State, wearing Central Michigan garb. He got sunglasses on. He's he's holding at some, night. He thinks he's Corey Hart. He's playing holding some playlist thing, and people pointing out. They're like, oh, you know, it's a it's a fake. Guys, Central Michigan's an Adidas school. Dude's wearing blue Nike shoes. I mean, you think a Central Michigan staffer's wearing blue Nike shoes? And don't even, Michigan fans want to tell you, well, he snuck on and got into the protected zone. No, I'm sorry. The security on the field is better than that. I've been on the field at Spartan Stadium as a media member before. It is not that easy to move around on the field. Field pass is one thing. Being a part of the coaching crew is another thing. Uh, this notion that, you know, I heard from Michigan fans today, oh, all of it is Photoshop. None of it is true. Don't believe what you see on the internet. Really? All of it? Like, all the surveillance footage is, is like, video spliced and, and all that kind of stuff? Like, are we talking, like, speed where you get the glitchy thing and you finally, you know, Dennis Hopper's character finally notices it? I don't think so. Like, there's a lot of smoke here, so much so that ESPN is talking about it a lot. And ESPN would, you know what, slobber knock on Michigan all day every day if they could and they are starting to question um, I don't know all the facts but I will tell you this there is an awful lot that points to Jim Harbaugh being a very epic version of liar liar pants on fire and I'm telling you if this is 75% true what's been coming out it warrants the death penalty well, yeah. it does it's a year of no football at Michigan and that has long-term devastating repercussions. Michigan could rebuild fairly quickly on recruiting and things like that. But like, because then you're talking major scholarship knockdowns and whatever. And if you don't think that that can a death penalty can hurt you, look at SMU in the '80s when they got the death penalty. Here's the problem: one, they're Michigan, so they're gonna find a way to get with it. Two. The NCAA is spineless in these. It'll take 10 years, and they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah give me your wrist. Yeah, there you go. And the Big Ten won't do anything because they're sissies, and the CFP obviously won't do anything about it. The only thing that gives me hope about the Big Ten is that the Big Ten commissioner dealt with the Astros with their sign-stealing thing. So we'll see. But it's if more Because I, I think that a lot of this stuff wasn't meant to be like come out. I feel like it's just getting leaked. If there's some more, if they find out that this Stallions thing is true, that that really is him on Central Michigan sideline, I think that that their season, I, I think that it shouldn't count anymore. If a, that's if that if that's real, that should not count anymore. And a bare minimum, let's just like I think I said last week, let's give the coaches the benefit of the doubt that they knew nothing, which is a bunch of horseshit. You are shut down because of lack of institutional control. Because there's no way they didn't know anything. First of all, and we're talking about computer fraud. We're talking about we're talking about FBI involved in this stuff, people. So we'll keep an eye on it. It's crazy. The last thing I wanted to throw into football mix was this headline I just saw: Deion Sanders calls on Rose Bowl NCAA to reimburse players for stolen items. So the story there, real quick, is that Colorado went and lost at UCLA. Players claim that they had money stolen out of their bags, that they had jewelry boxes stolen. First of all, I'm going to blow a big fat whistle and say, T the F-O, 
why are you putting that stuff in a football locker? Yeah, don't give it. Don't give me. That's my culture. That's my style. That's my swag. Why are you no. bringing that to a game? Have some responsibility. Don't bring your bling bling to an opposing locker room. Period. If it really did get stolen, yeah. Do I feel bad for you? Of course I do. do does somebody's head need to roll? Security, whatever. Of course. But saying the NCAA owes these guys money, no, they don't. Calling your big boosters who are paying them all the money to buy them that bling to begin with. This is the problem with Colorado. Is Colorado and Deion Sanders? I said it at the beginning of the year when everybody was all about oh, Deion, 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 Deion. They are a fraud. They are all about the show. They are all about the attention. They are all about the money. They are not about integrity and winning. They're the not. Show. And asking, demanding that the NCAA pay them back for this just shows that. And I guarantee you they're, we're going to use the race card. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yep. All right. That's first down. All right. Second down and Big Ten Power Rankings are presented by Norris Sports Group. NSG is a boutique agency of experts. With 30-plus years' experience in sports sponsorship and much more, learn more about them today at norrissportsgroup.com. Quickly, before we get to our picks for the week, uh, my updated power rankings. Michigan State is ranked 390th. Now they're still 14th and dead last. I think Indiana can actually show that they can score the ball a little bit. So I'm going to put them at 13. Purdue has moved to 12. They're almost as bad as the other two. Maryland has dropped all the way to 11. They're horrible. Illinois didn't play last week. They're sitting there at 10. And I got a glut tied for nine. Northwestern, Nebraska, Minnesota, Rutgers, Maryland, Iowa, barely, and Wisconsin. There's really three teams in the Big Ten. They're number three, Penn State, number two, Michigan, number one, Ohio State. That's it's three teams and everybody else. Um, and you got some teams that will fill bowl games. Oh, did we talk about Ferentz getting... No, we didn't. We forgot. Yeah, Brian Ferentz out at the end of the year for Iowa. Wham, wham, wham. Predictable. I told you that was going to happen. Your offense sucks. Mm-hmm. You suck. Um, all right, week 10. Let's do some picks here. Uh, surprisingly decent game here. Ohio State Rutgers. Rutgers is in third or whatever, third, fourth, whatever in the east. Um, 18 and a half is the spread. I think Rutgers easily covers this. I mean, the Ohio State doesn't really blow anybody out. Honestly, they hardly blew out Indiana. It's a lot of points. I'd, I'd say they win by 17. I think Ohio State covers. It's a big number. Rutgers isn't really playing anybody. I mean, give them credit. They're bowl eligible, but they're no, they're no good. <laughs> I'll, I'll call it like it is. All right. Wisconsin, Indiana. Wisconsin, nine and a half point favorite over the Hoosiers. I think they cover it. Yeah, I think they cover that. I mean, the problem with Wisconsin right now is they're playing with the, their backup quarterback because Mordecai broke his hand, I think. Um, yep. And so they're playing with a young, I think he's a freshman, but he's a Richard transfer freshman from, from Mississippi, Mississippi State. State yeah. he, you can tell he's a freshman. He made some plays in the second half the other day. It depends on Allen, how, how much is he out. Indiana obviously played well last week. I don't think they got it in them twice in a row. I'm going to Wisconsin to cover that. Uh, Penn State versus Maryland. Penn State's a ten and a half point favorite. Cover. Maryland stinks. Ten and a half is it? I think they. I think that they want blood. Oh yeah. Penn State's got something to prove. They need to get some style points. They're only like number eleven in the initial CFP rankings. Illinois, Minnesota, Minnesota, straight up. It's only like three and a half for some odd reason. I will tell you this: Minnesota is not good on offense. Their, but defense, their defense is, is good. So, um. I think, yeah, I think Minnesota wins that game. The lowest total for uh, over-under, this was beats the lowest total over-under of Iowa-Minnesota from two weeks, so Northwestern Iowa of 29.5. So um, I'm going to go over on that because Northwestern can score a little bit, and I'm, I'm going Northwestern. I'm going Northwestern, too. Yeah. I think they get the dub I, and knock fact, Iowa out. In fact, if I, well, I don't have the picks in front of me, um, I picked Northwestern to beat Iowa at the beginning of the season in my preseason picks. So. That's kind of funny. Um, Michigan Purdue. Michigan's a thirty-two and a half point favorite. They're gonna kill them. I mean, Purdue's terrible. Nebraska killed Purdue. Yeah, I mean, Nebraska mm-hmm. won't beat them by seventeen. Michigan will probably cover that. I mean, they covered obviously they double covered Michigan State, so I think they covered that. It's the night game. Is NBC got some just got, duds? They got a bad first year of Big Ten football because there's just the Big three Ten's good teams. terrible. I mean, yeah. I think college football's terrible. Yeah, this it's season. really it's there's not that year. many. There's not that many good it's teams a bad this year. year. It really so. is. 
Uh, last Big Ten game, Michigan State, Nebraska. I can't pick Michigan State, Nebraska. Um, Only a three-point dog, which surprises me. But, yeah, I mean, Nebraska. I just have seen nothing that says Michigan State can beat anybody, including Indiana, the rest of the year. So, can, never mind. I just have to hope that Levitt plays and gets a chance. Like, they give the right guys, guys a run. chance and then they, like, maybe – Maybe let the players call the plays, drop their own stuff, and not listen to Jay Johnson. I don't know. Yeah, just run just Hail, Hail, Hail Mary every play. Yeah. Uh, Alabama, LSU, a little top 12 action here. That's um, a classic throw. LSU's the highest rated uh, two-loss team. Alabama's in the top 10, kind of hitting their stride um, def- defensively here. Um, last year was it was an epic game, uh, Tuscaloosa. Okay. Epic game last year. Overtime LSU upset Alabama, kind of knocked them out of the playoff. I'm going Bama here. I can't go against Daddy Nick at home. Yeah. It was, say, it was a, it's it's a night game or is it a 3.30 game? Uh, a 3.30, I think. Yeah, I think I think Bama wins that game too. I think it'll be a good one though. Big weekend in the NFL coming up here. Um, some really good games actually. Cowboys-Eagles for first place in the NFC East. I'm going Eagles. Eagles, Eagles have been messing around a little bit lately. They yeah. were down to the Commanders, a.k.a. Redskins. They've been struggling with them. Yeah, they're. I'm going with the Eagles. Though. I, the Cowboys are. The Cowboys are a fraud. They're going to be proven a fraud at some point in time. Sunday night football, probably the best Sunday night football game we've had all year. Bills, Bengals. Um, love this match. I'm going Joe Burrow. That the Bengals are playing really well right mm-hmm. now. Went into uh, San Fran and took gave snapped them an their L. ring streak. Um, yeah, Bengals. Yeah, I got the Bengals too. I don't think the Bills are that good, to be honest with you. They're very up and down. They're, they're all right. They just got Douglas from uh, the uh, Packers, their corner. To they traded a corner, Tredavious too. White. I don't, I don't, I don't so know what happened. One out, one in, something like that. Um, all right, that's the Week 10 preview. Got a ad for... Yes. Now a word from our presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realty, will help you find the home that fits your wants and needs. And they make the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients for 30-plus years in the West Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at TeamAnders.com. So you want to do your previews or you want to do a little bit of around the horn here first? Uh, let's do the around the horn first. Okay. Um, so first, does anyone outside of the Dallas Metroplex or Phoenix care about the World Series? No. That's a rhetorical question. No. A uh, little RIP to the Penguins player with a freak death on the ice. Got slashed in the throat and the jugular with a skate. Police are investigating it. That's kind of a scary thought that somebody would do that on purpose. But, yeah, they think it could be purposeful. Um, you know, those blades are sharp, obviously, and bad just too bad. Like, the guy's fiance was there. I was reading about it today. and uh, just, just an awful, awful situation. Freak accident. How about this? Clay Travis, good conservative man. Um, he has an offer out there. For a state championship high school basketball team of his choosing to take on the WNBA champion team, if his high school boys team wins, he will pay the WNBA champs a million dollars. If they win, they have to, um, or no, it's maybe it's if they win, he'll give them a million. I can't remember. It was confusing to me because the way I said it is the way I read it, but I don't think that makes sense to me. But anyway, there's a million dollars at stake, and either... Either the basketball programs, the boys' basketball program gets it, or the WNBA champs gets it. Obviously, the Megan Rapones of the world are like, oh, I ain't a blah, 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 blah. But none of the WNBA players have said squat. And I will tell you what, here's why. Take a high school team that had somebody like, oh, I don't know, Zion Williamson on it. There is not a women's basketball points. player, professional or otherwise, I don't care if it's Kaylin Clark, cannot guard and stop that guy. This is not about, you know, anti-women or anything like that. This is about the difference biologically between men and women. It's just like the whole male genitalia swimmer guy, um, you know, going up against the women. Like, he had an advantage. And that's what the point of this matter is. And there's a reason, again, I think the WNBA players aren't saying anything. I would put my money on the high school boys team. Hey, I think it was a 15U men's or boys soccer team beat the U.S. women's national team in soccer. So, again, it's not a rip on women. It's just the fact that men and women are biologically different, 
even though there's so many nut jobs out there who can't tell you what the definition of is because they're retarded. All right, Mitchapalooza question of the week, and then we can talk about Michigan State, and then we can talk about the preview. If Michigan State wins a natty this year with Hogard leading the charge, think Mateen style, does he wind up with a bigger historical legacy than Cassius? It's a really good question. Um, I don't. I mean, Cassius did it for basically four years. You have to say yes, Mitch, because I mean, a national yeah, title is really elusive it's and elusive. hard to get. I mean, I, I, that doesn't mean he's a better player in my book than Cassius, but I think his legacy is cemented because then all of a sudden it's Magic, Mateen, AJ, and then you've had some good guys like Cassius and Denzel Valentine. And, you know, like Cassius is right up there as one of the best all-timers. In my opinion, he should absolutely have his number in the rafters. But if AJ wins and leads them to a national championship, and it's a big if because there's a lot of good basketball teams this year, I think he's got to have a bigger legacy because championships win out. Yeah. And Izzo would tell you that. Yeah. It doesn't mean we like Cassius any less. In fact, I kind of rather have Cassius because I still don't like Sideshow Bob Hare and his aloof attitude and whatever else. He plays a little too nonchalant for me at times. He is my proverbial whipping boy. Played like he was stoned for a good bit of the game against Tennessee, and then he woke up and hit the big shot at the end. Um, For that matter, so did Tyson. But, I don't know. You want to talk about that Michigan State-Tennessee game a little bit? Yeah, we can we can talk about that. I mean, I, I was planning on doing Michigan State next week. Um, I just more wanted to talk about it from like the perspective. Like, I a, I agree. Awesome. Somebody wrote that this should be the new norm in yes. October. Is that games like this that are fundraisers? Because Illinois Kansas was equally as great a game. Yeah, it was awesome. Nobody loses unless somebody gets hurt. The fans get to see something. That game would have ended in a tie had Michigan State not got called for the foul at the end. Which, by the way. I get it. A foul's a foul. That's pretty ticky-tack 40 feet away from the basket when the guy's not even trying to take a shot. You swallow the whistle, dude. Let him have an inbounds play if he went out of bounds and go from there, but whatever. Um, the way Michigan State started is a little alarming. Michigan State, I thought, rebounded a little bit better as the game went on. I said it to Ryan, and I said it to Kristen, and I said it to people at work, and I said it to my buddies, and it happened on Saturday, on Sunday albeit it didn't count, Michigan State's going to lose a couple games this year at the free-throw line, which is too bad because they got to the free-throw line a lot. Like, they've got guys that can get to the get to the rack. Yeah, um, you got to make free-throws. you got to make free-throws. That's Hall's got to make more free-throws. He's got to make 70-plus percent. Hogard and Walker have got to make, and Aikens have got to make 80-plus percent. I think Aikens was fine for the game. And for that matter, Sissoko, Cooper, they're getting to the line quite a bit. They've got to be at least two out of three. They've got to be 66, 67 percenters in my book. Like anything less than that, you just you can't you just can't do it. Um, the other thing is turnovers, obviously, early, although I think it ended up that Tennessee turned it over way more than Michigan well, you, State. How about this? Michigan State with the full court press. Love that. I we did it, you know when we last did that? 2005. You had Chris Hill, Drew Neitzel. Mm-hmm. Mo Ager, Shane Brown, you had athletes depth. and yep. depth. and I will tell you this. I see why Izzo loves fears. Oh, he's that a dude's good gamer. Player. And the thing I love most about him is he doesn't care about getting his. A concern that oh. I have is that I think Tyson played early in the game, like wasn't getting his and pouted a little bit. Wasn't getting calls, wasn't getting his, pouted a little bit. Hogard tends to do that a little bit too and still misses close bunnies at the rack, contested or not. Um, I think Michigan State's going to need Kohler back for the long term. Um, I do think post-score. I think Cooper and Sissoko are definitely better. I think they give them some flashes of threat down there. I think Booker could be good. He's got a really good three point stroke, he's, by the way. Skinny. But he's he's got a ways to go, and that's okay. That that's a guy that can stick around. Cohen Carr, I can't wait to watch this guy play in person. That step through, which is a finger roll for ninety nine point nine percent of every basketball player on the freaking planet except for maybe michael jordan and that powerful dunk that he had and his hops and his ability to sweep and get rebounds rebounds and blocks that dude's a stud and he too wants to play he doesn't he doesn't care about getting his and he's gonna he's gonna electrify the breslin crowd a little bit so I saw a lot of good things. I like Michigan State's depth. I think Holloman was really good too. Holloman was, and he was solid against Hillsdale as well. Hillsdale's like whatever; it's a Division two team. But um, I, I think Michigan State's depth is going to serve them well. I I still think, and Izzo would agree, 
free throws and rebounds they need to shore up. I think their defense will be fine. Tennessee obviously took a huge step forward because they're a really good defensive team, but they looked really good offensively with that Northern Colorado guy, Knack. And they had two of their better players out, too. One was on a personal leave, and the other guy's coming off from the ACL. So um, that was kind of stemming off of the Mitchapalooza questions. So, Ryan, the rest of the down is yours to cover off your previews. Yeah, let's uh, go where we left off. Um, Ohio State, 16-19 um, last season. Chris Holtman's in his seventh season already. He's 123-75. Um, kind of might be on the hot seat if they're not. Don't have a good season. Um they kind of turned it on at the end of last year, made a little run the Big Ten tournament, won a few games on the stretch. They were not very good for the talent that they had. They were kind of banged up here and there. But, you know, that happens. That's basketball. That's sports. Um, you got to deal with it and, and make hay with what you got. Uh, key losses, Bryce Sensabaugh. He was a first-round NBA selection, gone just assuming he was in college for like 30 years. He's finally gone. Then Eugene Brown, he was a – Reserve four man. He's transferred to Georgia Southern, who Michigan State actually plays this season. It's kind of funny. Um, key returnees: Bruce Thornton. Um, I have him bolded. I think he could be an All Big Ten level guy. He was really good at the end of last year. Good shooter. Um, can get to the hoop. Pretty good athlete. Pretty good defender. Um, probably be their lead guy. Um, Zed Key's coming back from that shoulder surgery he had last year. He he was very solid before that. Um, he's a little undersized at the center position, but still a pretty good player. Roddy Gale, he also kind of turned it on at the end of last year. He's a you know tweener, 3-4, gritty guy, um, good player in Felix Akpara. He started the last 11 games from last year, really good length, um, lob finisher, shot blocker, um, pretty solid player. Lots of newcomers for Iowa State, lots of valuable newcomers. Taysom Chapman, he's a four-star combo guard, probably plays more point guard than two. Um, from Minneapolis area, he's a really good player. He's probably going to play a lot for them. Um, Devin Royal, Michigan State, recruiting him pretty heavily. He's like a 6'5", 6'6", 230 wing, um, big guy, can shoot it really well, good score. And then the guy that I think could be their breakout, their sense of ball, their from two years ago, they're Malachi Branham. Um, that's Scotty Middleton. Um, he's from, he went to, um, what's it called? What's that school? And where, um, where'd Malik Hall go? Sunrise Christian Academy. Oh, yeah. And, um, lank, up, right? Yep. Lanky, lanky wing, um, can score a lot. I, I would not be surprised to see him on draft boards um, throughout the season as a rising um, freshman here in the Big Ten. Then Austin Parks, three star center from Ohio, South player. Um, Evan Mahaffey, if you remember that name from Penn State, he was kind of a, another like small ball, three, four um, kind of guy. Um, he had the long dreads. He's a, actually a pretty solid role player. He's kind of a do-it-all, you know, get rebounds, do the dirty work kind of guy. He's transferred to Ohio State. I think he'll play a decent amount. Dale Bonner, he's from Baylor. Uh, he's a reserve guard for them, pretty good shooter. Comes in, then Ohio State's headliner um, in their transfer class, Jameson Battle. Yes, you, for those of you that think you know the name, you do. Minnesota transfer, um, plays small forward. He's like 6'6", pretty solid guy, lefty. Really, really good score, can score from all levels. Um, I think he's their best player. Um, he was Minnesota's best player. I think he's going to be an all-Big Ten level type guy for them. Um, I think that Holtman will get the best out of him, and he, he transferred to Ohio State because he wanted a chance to make the Big Ten or to make the NCAA tournament. Um, I think Ohio State does have a chance at that. Um, notable on their schedule, they play Texas A&M, who's a preseason top 25 team. They play Alabama um, in the Emerald Coast Classic. They're playing UCLA in that CBS Sports Classic. They always do feature Big Ten opponent. Um, then they play West Virginia um, in Cleveland at the Quicken Loans Arena. Um, so some pretty solid teams they play in there. My prediction for the Buckeyes, I think, will be a top half of the Big Ten team. Um, and I think they'll make the tournament. I don't know what seed. I'd probably, you know, 7 to 10 area, but I think they'll make it. I think they're going to have a bounce-back season um, and get right. Um, that's the Bucks. Moving on to Penn State. Uh, last year, 23-14. and 14. Made the second round of the tournament. Gave Texas a big run. Um, Michael Strewsbury, gone. Um, went to Notre Dame where he coached before at Indiana University South Bend. Um, so he's back there. Mike Rhodes comes in from VCU. It's his first season. He was a solid coach there, and they made the tournament a solid amount when he was there. 
Um, but good Lord, did they lose a lot. Jalen Pickett, all Big Ten guy, all American, triple-double waiting to happen. I loved that guy. I loved his game. He was so fun to watch. He's gone. He's on the Nuggets now. Seth Lundy, um, he's on the Hawks now. He was really good for them last year. Andrew Funk, um, if you remember that guy, great, great shooter. Um, Cam Winter, one of their better scorers than Miles Dredd. So that's like their five best players from last year are gone. Um, the only key returnee that they have is Kanye Clare. He was a backup guard for them. Um, he's a pretty solid player, but nothing crazy. I think he'll play some heavy minutes for them, but eh, this there's not a lot back. A lot of transfers and a lot of guys um, that left that were super seniors and sixth year, whatever, fifth year, sixth year grad transfers, all that stuff. Bring in a lot. When I say a lot, I mean a lot of transfers. Favor Ayer from Miami is a big guy. Uh, didn't play much for them, but he's depth. DeMarco Dunn from North Carolina is a former four-star, borderline five-star recruit. Uh, plays a little shooting guard. Didn't play much for North Carolina, but he could be solid. Um, McC- How about this name? McQuandis Mitchell from University of Missouri, Kansas City. He was all, all league um, for UMKC. Um, he's a point guard, scoring guard. Um, expect him to take a less shots. Quetis Wahab, if you remember that name, started at Georgetown. He was on the Georgetown team that went to the tournament during COVID. Um, then he transferred to Maryland, transferred back to Georgetown, and here he is back in the Big Ten at Penn State. Uh, he's a decent big. Not great, but he's decent. Puff Johnson from North Carolina. Um, remember that name from the national championship a few years ago? Lefties, brothers, Cam Johnston, the, Johnson that plays in the NBA. Um, Pretty solid player. He's, he'll probably start the three or four for them. Solid. Zach Hicks uh, from Temple. Solid player. Um, started for Temple. Um, see if we can translate that to the Big Ten. Nick Kern from VCU. Followed his coach. Uh, he started for them as well. Uh, Leo O'Boyle. Uh, big guy from Lafayette. Um, going from the Patriot League to the Big Ten. We'll see how that goes. And then their headliner, um, Preseason All-Big Ten guy, Ace Baldwin. Um, he's a point guard. He's a dog on defense. He's a good scorer. I expect big things. I mean, he's going to shoot a lot, I would assume, because Penn State doesn't have much. Um, so, yeah, that's Penn State um, for players. and they, they don't really have a tough schedule, their toughest game. I mean, they're playing the ESPN, but they start with A&M, who they beat last year in the big dance in the first round, kind of smoked them. So could be a fun game there. Um, my prediction for Penn State, I think they're going to be a seller dweller on the Big Ten, to be honest with you. First-year coach, replacing a lot of players, have a lot of transfers. Unless they gel really well together, which I don't really see happening, I think they're going to be a you know bottom three or four team in the Big Ten, miss out on the tournament. Um, but I think Rhodes could build a solid program. He, he's, he did it at VCU. He's, he's a D3 guy, um, which is kind of cool. Um, I'll do one more here um, before we move on to the last spot. Purdue. Oh, yes, Purdue's back, 29-6. and six. If you remember, they lost in the first round last year as a number one seed to Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, hilarious ending of the season. Uh, Matt Painter, 19th season coming up. That's pretty crazy. 413 and 198 overall there. Pretty good record. Key losses for the Boilers. Uh, Brandon Newman played a decent amount for them. He's going to Western Kentucky as a transfer. Then David Jenkins kind of that chunky three-point shooter. Um, he's gone. He was like a 20th-year senior. Uh, key returnees, Fletcher Lawyer's back. He looks like he's six years old, but he can shoot it. Um, really skinny, but he's a good player. Braden Smith, um, the next Aaron Kraft of the Big Ten. He's a solid point guard for them. Uh, Mason Gillis, just a solid you know do-it-all guy for them. Then Dum Dum, bring me gum gum. Zach Eady, returning National Player of the Year. All-American, preseason All-American, preseason, every award watch list, preseason Big Ten Player of the Year, unanimous. Um, uh, yeah, he's 7-4. He can dunk over everyone. He is a hook game. He can block shots. He stands in the lane for 15 minutes, doesn't get called for fouls. He rebounds everything. Yeah, he's really good, but is Purdue built to make that run? Everyone says, oh, you know, Purdue lost to a, one, lost to a 16. Virginia lost to a 16, won the championship. Yeah, I mean, Purdue's preseason number three. They're going to be a good team, absolutely. They're going to win a lot of games, absolutely. Um, I'll get to that a little later here. But then fresh faces, Lance Jones, um, good player at SIU. Um, 
for those keeping score from Southern Illinois. Um, good guard for them. Then Miles Colvin, four-star shooting guard, is probably their best athlete. He's kind of dinged up right now, from what I've heard. But I, I would expect him to play. They need an athlete on the wing. That's kind of what they miss. Um, schedule notables. Not easy. <laughs> they play Xavier in the the uh, Gavin, which is, this is the last year for that, by the way. Um, Gonzaga in, their, in the Maui Invite. The Maui Invite might be the most stacked it's ever been. Tennessee's in it. Syracuse's in it. Syracuse isn't even that good, um, as they usually are. Kansas is in it. Um, it it's really, really good. Um, so I'm excited for that. Probably get some big games there. They're playing Alabama in Toronto for Zach Eady. Kind of interesting. Then they play Arizona in the Indy Crossroads Classic. Um, could be pretty fun. So some some big games for the Boilermakers. Uh, prediction, I think they're going to be a top two team in the Big Ten. One to three seed in this tournament. Can they make a run? As of now, I'm going to say no. I don't think, I, I think again, like the style of basketball that they play, it's not meant for March. You can, they'll win 26 games. Guards and win. win the Big Ten. Guards Guard play and defense and cohesion wins in March, not throwing the ball down to a huge guy and let him dunk. It's not going to happen. I think they'll be a second weekend team. I don't think they're a third weekend team or a national championship team. I don't. I think they're going to win a lot of games. Like I said, they're not going to win a national championship or get to a Final Four. The drought continues in less Lafayette, but they're going to. They'll probably win the Big Ten. I mean, who can guard him in the Big Ten? Nobody. That's three. Good previews. Good work. A couple more to do next week. All right, fourth down, NFL. Uh, obviously, we talked about big injury for Minnesota with Cousins, and Minnesota had been on a little bit of a yeah, run. Played, played well lately. Buffalo got a little bounce back last week against Tampa. Dallas throttled the Rams. Um, Tennessee, rookie quarterback, Will Levis with four you know Why? Because he broke up with that girl that was all over him in the in – the, uh, at the oh, draft. Oh, at the draft. Yeah, That's funny. Yeah. Um, Colts, New Orleans was a pretty decent game. Panthers got their first win. How about that? Yeah, the number one, number two pick. They had a little bit of a battle there. Jets outlasted the Giants. Jacksonville stymied Pittsburgh. It was back to Pittsburgh with their crappy offense again. Uh, Washington gave Philly a run, and then Philly scored a lot late and won that game by seven. Cleveland... Um, Lost late to Seattle. Seattle's right now the number two seed if things ended today in the uh, in the NFC. How about Denver? No Taylor, no win for Kansas City. Happy yeah, to see Denver that. win that game. I'm tired of Kansas City. Um, Baltimore struggled a little bit with Arizona, as teams have out in Arizona. And then the Bengals, Ryan talked a little bit about the it. Bengals, Bengals really look really good. San Francisco kind of not. – they've lost three in a row, kind of falling on hard times, and then the Chargers – throttled Chicago but let's talk about the one NFL game that we care about and that's the Lions um my take defense was dominant uh offense missed some plays they you know starting with I would love to hear if somebody asked St. Brown the question why didn't he throw the ball on the little half or the throwback you know pass to him that he was supposed to clearly pass Khalif Raymond was wide open it was like the Red Sea parted and I don't know what he saw or didn't see. I hope somebody asked him and I can find the quote. But he missed that. Would have been a sure touchdown. Uh, the Lions had to settle for a field goal. Craig Reynolds' fumble, whether you want to believe it was a fumble or not, I, I say if they hadn't called it a fumble, they wouldn't have overruled it. But because they called it a fumble, they couldn't overrule it because it was hard to see. I thought he ran really hard. But that was the time the Lions fumbled the ball in the three-yard line didn't score. They threw a pick six. That game was not 26 to 14. The Lions dominated in every statistical category. Oh, they, they had so many yards. Um, Laporta is, has at least three catches and 35 yards receiving in eight straight games. I think he's the first tight end to do that. Uh, rookie tight end to do that. Gibbs was what you yes. saw, why he was drafted, just Woo. running with power and speed. Um, Hutchinson may lead the NFL in pressures, but he doesn't get any sacks because he still overruns the quarterback half the time. But McNeil played great. Um, a little surprised the Lions didn't pick up a maybe another pass rush help, but you know we'll we'll see what happens there. Branch I think is a stud. You know the buy comes at a good time because hopefully you can get your offensive get line right. healthy. Yep. You can get Montgomery back. Then you got a three headed you know monster at running back because Reynolds can give you some things too. Um, 
you know, they traded for a wide receiver today, didn't trade much for it, but like another at least guy that can catch the ball. You know, I think they probably needed to make that move with, uh, oh boy, stepping away from football. Yeah, even though he wasn't Marvin, even though he wasn't playing very well. Um, they they got to do something about JMO though. That dude, he's terrible. He does he not catch enough passes. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that's the kind of win. Like it wasn't a pretty win. The Lions dominated. They they really probably should have won like forty to seven. But, you know, it was a grinder despite mistakes, and they won it. And those are games that they would have lost in the past. Yeah, I agree. Um, that was a gutsy, um, overcame. I mean, you don't, Great win, crowd. you don't win in the NFL when you turn the ball over that much. And right. you, you won pretty handily. And they gave them seven points off one turnover. So Yeah, um, I, the Lions look really good. I mean, they should win the North. It got weaker with Cousins being out. The Packers are terrible. The Bears are the Bears, and the Vikings are have Josh Dobbs and Jaron Hall as their quarterbacks. I mean, come on. Um, well, I I was doing this playoff simulator um, earlier. I did the games. I think the Lions will for sure lose, and that's Chargers and and Cowboys. I think they could win the rest of their game based off of the picks that I did in the simulation. Had the Lions being the number one seed in the NFC at thirteen and four. I mean, they do have a very advantageous schedule. That would be crazy. They're six and two, um, second best record in the NFC, second best record in football. Um, Minnesota's four and four, but again, as we've chronicled, Cousins is gone, and they're already a four and a half point dog as a result of Atlanta. Atlanta. Um, you know, Seattle five and two, San Fran five and three. Dallas five and two, Eagles seven and one, and the Lions six and two. So I mean, you that looks good for the Lions. Yeah, I'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean, if they can sneak a win against the Chargers somehow, I mean, that would be. I think they can beat them, but I'm not expecting them to. But yeah, it could be a, a really fun season. Could host a home playoff game. Hopefully, win one. Um, that'd be super fun. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have anything else in the NFL. Um, it's been a fun season, very odd but fun. Yeah, something to look, something to watch for the Lions, which is yeah. nice because Michigan State's been so bad. That's for sure. So, yep, first time ever. All right, sprint it out. All right, uh, who has the best fast food French fries? I thought we talked about that. Never, we said who in general has the best fries. Best, fa- I thought I saw this on a an ad or, or a, a I'm gonna go Arby's curly fries. Uh, five guys, man. Oh, five guys are good, but I'm gonna go Ar- Arby's curly fries. Uh, this is also a question on uh, Instagram I saw from Golf Digest. Scariest golf moment for an amateur, you know, whether that be putting for a club championship, you know, hit certain sh- shot. What, mine, I'm gonna say mine first, so you have an idea of what to say. First tee shot in front of a big group when you don't have a mulligan, when you're not yeah. doing a breakfast ball. Like, when I hit my tee shot when we played at Oakland Hills, whatever, eight years ago, that was the scariest tee shot I've ever hit. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I I can kind of go with the, when you play, because, you know, when you're playing with the guys, you play with a breakfast ball in the first hole, or, you know, you post a score, but it's not, it's probably a little overinflated because you didn't post the score, right? Like, with gimmies and whatever else. For me, because I've experienced it, it is the first time you play around when everything goes down and everything counts. Mm-hmm. Like there's no bailouts. There's you know there's no not every you play everything lateral. You know there's white stakes. That's scary all the way around the course because all of a sudden a two footer that you don't don't ever putt becomes a knee knocker. And I watched a guy that I was playing with three putt from two feet once, and then I did the same thing like a hole later. So that to me is the scariest. That is crazy. What movie basketball coach would you want to play for the most? Ooh, good question. I gotta think of all my basketball movies. Norman Dale. I said Pete Bell. I like his style of play. <laughs> He's crazy. So is Norman. That was my second choice. Okay, what? The last one in honor of Halloween. What about uh, what's his name from Rebound? Oh, Roy McCormick? Roy McCormick, yeah. You're right. <laughs> Jackie Moon. <laughs> Player, coach, owner. Um, the Halloween candy that you would always try to trade away once you had your bag full and you were finished trick-or-treating. Oh, Almond Joys. Yep, that's what I said. Terrible. I hate oh. coconut. <laughs> they look, I mean, the, the wrapper looks gross. Or Mounds. No, neither of those. 
Yeah, it looks like, a, bar it looks like a generic thing that you get at like some hole in the wall gas station oh, in the middle yeah, of BFA. Just reminds BFA. You of the, the funniest thing would be when people would hand out toothbrushes, you know, to be a dentist or something. When I was a kid, it was, it was apples or UNICEF boxes or pennies or like yeah, whatever. Like well, the, I, I, give me I, the full. Some candy people, bar. Would, some people would hand out popcorn. Get, no, give me a full Butterfinger. That's what I want. Butter. Full. I mean, that was the. But you had to find the rich people that were carrying out full size candy bars. Yeah, that's right. true. That's 146 of these. Um, we'll be coming to you live next week. We'll build our college basketball beyond. Probably have it on the background. It'll be November. Holy cow! Where's this year gone? Um, yeah, we appreciate you guys listening. Let us know if any questions you want us to answer. Um, but yeah, thank you. All right, in the continued wake of what's going on with Michigan. Uh, Old ball coach Steve Spurrier once said, Cheating is cheating. Some coaches believe if you can get away with it, cheating is smart. I have no respect for those guys. Me either, coach. Me either.